My guest today has known me longer than any other previous guest, uh, perhaps because she's my sister. A former psychology professor, she became a TikTok celebrity during the pandemic, making videos focusing on academic humor under the handle Professor Bren. Now she works as a UX researcher in Denver. When she's not doing whatever UX researchers do, she is either fixing random bullshit around her house, spending time with my poorly behaved sister-in-law, Emily, or playing with her cats. She also has a bit of experience playing music. She's a songwriter, trumpetist, drummer, and guitar player. Please welcome to the podcast, Dr. Rachel Brenner. Hey, Dove. Happy to be here. I am I am happy to have you. Is that what it's called? A, a person who plays trumpet. Are they a trumpetist or a trumpeter? Did I get it right? Do you know? Did I, I put you on the know. spot? Oh my gosh. Sorry, Mr. Gillen. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Trump. What what was his what, what was your uh band director in high school's name? Richard Gillen, Mr. Gillen. R- Richard Gillen. He, he's the yeah. goat, right? Oh yeah. He was like he was the he was like the our marching band uh, director too, which uh, in retrospect, isn't the coolest hobby, but uh, if you can well, be was, badass at something cool. nerdy. Yeah. It, it was cool. And didn't you get like rookie of the year when you were ninth grade uh, from marching band? I did. I did. That felt really good. Can, can yeah. you tell, can, can you tell our listeners what, um what, what, what that move was that you were known for within the, uh, <laughs> the Hudson Valley? Was yeah. That- so there was like a part in uh so my freshman year in in the show where we all kind of stop and just play this uh intense part where we're supposed to kind of just be playing our hearts out and they even told us to kind of move and like bop up and down a little bit and he you know Mr. Gilman was like you should get really into it like you all are just like sticks out there really get you know break it down um so uh, my back is double jointed so on like the last like note that we bailed out I just been as far back as possible and he was like who are you and you know oh i'm rachel brenner you know i, I hadn't even started. it was like still summer camp i think i yeah. hadn't even met him yet um so that was where i got my and then he was like everyone watch her um what, what was the name of that move though was it was it like was there a name? Bark or something oh my gosh your memory is ridiculous that's right how did you know that you, you know the answer to that yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> um, um Where's but, my goal? But yeah, the uh, yeah, yeah the park any, and bark. That's so funny. What yeah, that was that, little, that was that was legendary. That. I still love that picture of you. Do you still have that picture of you doing the park and bark? Somewhere. It was like it was in Softin Zeta's uh, living room, I think. I, I remember it was either there or it was like Grandma and Grandpa's. So one one set of grandparents. But um, anyways, um, well, let's get away from you know the marching band music, the high school <laughs> band music, and uh, I, I'm I always start every episode when I have a new guest asking these three questions. So um, we'll start. I think I know the answer to this, but uh, we'll see. What music have you been listening to recently? I know you think I'm going to say Taylor Swift. Um, Times person of the year, apparently. That's right. And you know what? Rumor has it that tonight she's dropping the new recording of Reputation. Um, So we'll find out. And she did all of her little hints, her little Easter eggs. Um, And now very excited about it. But uh Actually, I've been listening to Motion City soundtrack. I kind of oh, like. Oh no way! Yeah, you know those bands where you're like you love them, and then you just go on and listen to other things, and you kind of forget that they exist for a little bit, and then you're like, oh my gosh, this band that I've been to like three of their shows like three times, I haven't listened to them in like however long. So I'm going through that. Uh... Well, that's great because there's so much nostalgic stuff 
you know, the older that we get, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, our our the catalog of nostalgia just grows. Um, but that's interesting. What's the what's that's the they have their big song. It's like I'm on fire now. I think I'm ready because that's their big one. But they have another yeah, big one. Me out. Let's get fucked up and die. No, oh, that's a great one too. Let's see. Uh, Oh, which, everything which, is all right. Yes, Probably. that's it. Yeah. That, that comes for some reason. Spotify just like decided I love that song and they put that on like every one of my daily mixes. But so good. But no, Motion City soundtrack. There's awesome. And this I'm really I, I've been looking forward to asking this question for as long as since I had the idea of you coming on the podcast, because obviously we were probably spoon fed the same music. But um, what what music do you remember being spoon fed as a kid? Um, yeah, it's funny because I, I think I remember you giving an answer, like listening to when you talked about that. And, um, I don't know if they even hundred percent line up. Uh, so definitely the Beatles was a big one yeah, yep. with dad. Yeah. So that I'd say is, is number one. Um, and then also Josh Groban. Josh Groban. Right? Okay. Of course I remember Josh Groban. Yeah. It was like what music dad yeah. liked and then what CD mom played on repeat in the car for whatever <laughs> three to six months that she found that CD yeah. interesting. Oh, yep. Um, yep. It was. Yeah. Was, she liked those, think, those. Yeah. No, go ahead. She loves those like big, powerful ballad singers, you yeah. know, Josh Groban, Celine Dion, of course, you know, uh, you know, Barbara Streisand. Streisand, yep. Her all time yep. favorite. Yep. So always the, the things that you're like, wow, that singer is really good. And then also, wow, now I feel depressed. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. No, I can't. Yeah, it but, sounds uh, about right. Yeah. But I feel like the, what are, oh, Beach Boys. Yep. Um, yep. So really, yeah, all, all that. that yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's interesting because now that you're saying that, I, I remember it so well. But when I've talked in the past about the music that we were spoon fed, I, I forgot about, you know, Josh Groban and, and the beach boys and the beach boys. I mean, I can see Josh Groban forgetting, forgetting that because that was more like we were like in middle school, high school. Yeah. But like the beach boys, that was, I mean, right. when we were probably from, you know, kindergarten on or mm -hmm. probably even before that. Yeah. Right. Right. Honestly. And a uh, funny story from uh, when we were like little kids listening to the beach boys. Um, there was, some maybe it's the wouldn't it be nice but there's some lyric where he oh was talking about getting married in the future but he, something that implied that they were having sex and i think i turned to dad and was like but dad they're not married like how is that possible <laughs> <laughs> or, or i think i was or maybe i said maybe i said to him like wait are they married and he was like oh yeah no no they, they are married they just they said it earlier in the song or something like that <laughs> it was like it was like when dad we asked dad i remember you asked him we were in the car and I think we were on like one of like the, you know, the Brooklyn Bridge or the, you know, the 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 Mario Cuomo Bridge or whatever. And I remember you asked dad, have you have you ever been drunk? And he said, <laughs> you know, you know, once I was at I was at a I was at like a, an own egg at synagogue and, you know, I was really thirsty. and I had a bunch of grape juice, but like it turned out it was wine and like I felt real drunk and like kind of sick. I never wanted to do it again. And do you remember <laughs> do you remember your response, what you said to him? No. You said you said, wow, I didn't realize you didn't have a life. <laughs> well, it turned uh, out he did have a life. He just was yeah. good at he just yeah, used lying he was, as a common uh oh yeah, he he was great. Um yeah. but anyways, so now how did you get now? I, I have like my memories of you when you first started discovering music, but when when did you start discovering music on your own? That's a great question. I think 
branching out from the like listening to what mom and dad had on in the car. Then, you know, middle school became listening to what CDs my friends were listening to. Um, and back in the day of like looking on iTunes and seeing like, oh, what are some similar songs to this? Um, what I've realized about myself is I, if you put something in front of me and it's good, I'll typically like it. And so it wasn't until high school that I really started discovering my sound. So middle school was anything from like Chevelle to simple plan. Um, and whatever CD I would just like listen to on repeat. Um, and then in high school was then when I started getting into like something corporate and Jack's mannequin and brand new and, um, like panic at the disco, that, that type of thing. Um, well, I didn't realize you're into Panic at the Disco. Yeah, I mean, don't tell my wife that because she's like really into them. I'm like the, I realize even the way I said that, I, I, it's like I know the hits and maybe a few beyond that, but like I love them if that makes like, but uh, yeah, no, I do. I love Panic at the Disco. Um, obviously, Motion, Motion City's soundtrack, um, stuff like that. But then also eventually Ben Folds, anything like rock and piano and jazz, that that combination. Um, and I think also I would you- go through something. Oh yeah, go ahead. Did you get it? Were you, did you like the fray? I did like the fray at the time. It was one of those things where, okay, this is a thing that people are listening to. And, oh, yeah, this was good. Um, I probably had on my MySpace, MySpace page at one point, you know, one of their songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think as like, you know, once, you know, part of my discovery of music too was like what songs could relate to my experience, what I'm going through as like an angsty 16-year-old and finding like lyrics. So sometimes I look to music for music. I like, the actual instrumentals. Other times I'm going to it because the lyrics speak to me and I want to make some like angsty. The world is hard, uh, you know, at age 17, like, you know, playlist or something like that. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Um, so let's get into um, the, uh, the artist that is the focus of the episode. And um, just first question, um, what the fuck does irony mean? Okay. I was, by the way, I was literally to, ready to get on this podcast and make some joke about like, oh yes, Lannis Morissette, the singer who ruined grammar for our entire generation. Um, <laughs> because yeah, I, I don't, I honestly meant to Google irony because I don't, I, I, I think I'm pretty sure that in like seventh grade, we even had an assignment where they listed all like the lines from Lannis Morissette songs. We had to identify which were actually irony. Um, so I don't know what, I, I, I don't know. She ruined it. I don't know, but I know, I think what her definition of irony is based on her lyrics, which is just like, well, this kind of sucks. Um, I yeah. think that's, you know, or all oh, the Tommy's kind of bad. Um, yeah. 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 I read like three different uh, articles about the song ironic and I, I have no better understanding than before I read those three articles of what irony is and whether or not ironic is ironic. So we won't, we won't talk much about that, but I, 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 I remembered you mentioning that when I asked you to do this podcast, like, Oh, I got to ask that question. Um, and, uh, when did you first hear of, um, Alanis Morissette? So this album came out when I was five. So I think it's like one of those things that I just feel like I always knew these songs because I don't remember hearing them for the first time. Um, but I think I, it was in high school when I started reconnecting with those songs. It was things that I just listened to on the radio but didn't know what the words meant and so i remember in late high school and early college actually getting into the album as opposed to just like oh i know these songs and they're fun to sing to 
Um, you know, and even a, a friend of mine talking about head over feet, you know, really about like falling in love and having my own, you ought to know experience. Um, and so I think it was at the age that I could finally relate to the songs that they actually, I felt like I was really paying attention. Yeah, that's, and and I talk a lot about, I think what impressed me the most about Alanis Morissette is, is you know, her as a songwriter. Um, it was something I, like, I knew she was a good songwriter, but I never really, because before this episode, I was just more of like a casual listener. Um, but just studying the lyrics was such a great experience because there's so many things I learned about her. And like I mentioned a lot in the podcast, like she doesn't, with a few exceptions, she really doesn't rhyme her lyrics, which I never noticed. And it's like, wow, that's a really bold move. Um, and uh, anyways, just an aside, just a note. Yeah, about that. actually, it's funny you say that earlier today. I was listening to You Ought to Know, um, which mm -hmm. I hope we talk about. I'm excited to talk about it if we do. I just love that song so much. Um, but the opening line um, where she's like, you know, like, I I want you to know that I'm happy for you. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I want you to know that I'm happy for you. I wish I wish nothing but the best for you both. Like the way that the song pinned out, she could have just said you both times and it wouldn't have been like a cringe kind of, oh, you use the same word. It would have rhymed, but it, it was like she went out of her way not to rhyme. And also I think the meaning of including you both was more powerful lyrically, but I was just like, wow, that's so interesting um, right out the gate. And that's a big thing that I that I uh, also talk about in the episode is that she like when I'm listening to her, I don't feel like she's just kind of communicating how she's feeling about a particular thing. Um, and, and, and that's what I really, really appreciate, um, about her songwriting, which kind of, you know, lends itself to what you just mentioned for sure. Um, but I want to know, cause I don't, I would love to talk for, you know, 20 minutes or 30 minutes or two hours about her songwriting, but, um, but I, I'm curious to hear, and I wanted to hear your, your opinions about Jagged Little Pill, um, because this was the first, I mean, obviously I knew the hits and there's so many of them. I knew like half the album, but um, this was the first time for me really listening through, and it really is just a brilliant album. Um, so for you, what are some of your favorite songs off Jagged Little Pill? So I won't say my, I'll get back to my favorite one later, but I think uh, Head Over Feet. I really like that song a lot. Um, I think it's very relatable and just beautiful, like the beautiful to listen to. Um I like the the harmonica, the almost the lazy ease of being with someone who you're head over heels about. Um, so I really like that song. Also, um, oh, what is it? Unforgiven or Forgiven? Forgiven, yeah, yeah. Forgiven, yeah. So I don't love that song, but I love the pre-chorus and the chorus like a lot. Um, how, does, how does that one go again? That's a great. I'm literally going to look at it's and and I'm be, be honest. I didn't even really. It was when I was like re-listening to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's look. Yeah, no, because I'm just like there were certain um, you know deep tracks that I really identified with, and I probably listened to those multiple times. Um, whereas maybe some of the other ones that didn't connect with me, I didn't. I like I. Could if I heard it, I could you know I'd obviously recognize it, but just saying the name, I don't really remember it. Um, so my apologies. Oh no, you're good. And I'm like, it's the one that starts out like, uh, oh, excuse me, you know how us Catholic girls can be. Yeah, it's just like really like powerful the the music. Um, but I like um, 
I'll tell you what I don't like is perfect. Oh, is that the one where like she's just so pitchy? Yeah. Yeah. I, I always skip over that song. Not a fan. Like, that, like that's the one song I'm like, oof. And um, I get, I don't know, is that like the the point of it? Um, is she specifically on purpose? I don't I don't know. You know, she's so intelligent that probably. Um, but I, you know, I I don't really that that's a great question. But I that's for me, that's I think every album has a, a skip over. And I think that's the mm-hmm. only skip over. Like there's no other there may be some songs on that album that I don't love, but I don't skip over them, but I always skip over perfect. Um Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I like all I really want. Yep. Yeah. I was gonna I was, I was literally just about to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah. I like the part with the the silence. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Can you handle this? And yeah. then just the way she comes back in that crescendo. Did you did you yeah. think about yeah? And it's just um, and the, the the her vocals right after that, right after that pause are just so Alanis. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. You can really like it's it was just a cool like moment and the way she threw her personality into it was really neat. Um and then of course, you know, you ought to know is yeah such a banger. I mean, yeah, I love so much about it. It's incredible how she was able to capture that experience, um, which is honestly, I feel like one of the worst like first world feelings you can have is when your <laughs> yeah. like ex yeah. moves on and you're not ready for them to move on and you know they're happy with someone else and you know it's just, it's 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 the worst and and I love in the beginning the way that she sings that line that she's so happy but she's clearly so angry and about to just like like pop one and um yeah I I the the lyrics are just so good I and I think that like the raw it's like anger and vulnerability and it almost is like that just that feeling of you have moved on, but I'm still thinking about you and I can't even control that. And like, I haven't forgotten about us and me. Like, how could you forget about me? And like, I'm here to remind you that I freaking exist. And this happened. You said these things. And like, it's just, uh, I just love it. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. And, and uh, just full disclosure, I didn't choose that as my, and we'll, we'll get to the, the signature song conversation, but I didn't choose that one, but I did mention that that is my favorite song by Alanis Morissette and it's not even like there's not even a close second yeah um and I think for me in the pre right before she goes into the I think it's the first um pre-chorus which is like you know how you said you would like love me until you die but you're still alive like oh my I don't know why but just the way she sings that that just gets me so fired up um I love how Yeah, it's like, did you forget about me at what part? And then like, like you said, that that powerful aspect of till you died, but you're still alive. And I'm here like to remind you, I feel like where she's like, yeah, I just love it. Yeah. And then w- one more thing before I move on is that the um, and every time I uh, I scratch my nails down someone's back, I hope you feel it like it's just. Oh, it's yeah, it's great. It's, it's so uh, it's it's anger, but like it's it's so it's it's relatable anger, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, so, you know, when I was I mean, I knew that Jagged Little Pill was like a blockbuster success. Now, again, like you mentioned, you were five when it came out. I was, you know, probably two, maybe two, maybe one, two when it came out. So I obviously don't really remember when it came out. Obviously, you know, that album was played on the radio till the till the end of the the millennia. But um, but why? But when I was researching it, like I learned that it sold like a, approximately 30 million copies and is like, I think, the 12th highest selling album of all time. 
Um, and so why do you think that album became as successful as it did? That's a great question. Do you know which single was famous first by chance? You ought to know was the first was the first single. That's so interesting because um so one, it could be that you ought to know is just a, a classic. And I think for all the reasons that you and I just talked about it, it's incredibly relatable. It's cathartic. Also, and you would know this better than me, um, like to what extent were women really allowed to be like angry at music at that time? Um, and genuinely, you know, the answer. I'm like, I'm not a historian. So I'm what I'm saying might be might might be. A, but it feels like that might have been pivotal a bit. I, I was definitely I was thinking uh, I was thinking a lot about that, um, you know, and I, and I don't really know the answer to that. Um, that's probably a, that'd be a great um, idea for an episode. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I think also, I think also then, cause I, I found myself thinking about why, why ironic, um, which, which also is a song that I do love. I just didn't say it as well. Cause it just feels so like, I don't know. Everyone loves that song. Um, and I don't know why. And that's why I didn't mention it. I'm like, why is this? But I, I I think in some ways her album did something kind of interesting where some of her lyrics had like a dialectical or like duality type of experience. Um, like you learn, it's like, here's the struggle. And then, you know, but at the same time you're learning um, uh, one hand in my pocket. It's like, I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed, like I'm free, but I'm I'm not saying the lyrics correctly, but it's like this positive and negative. And I think that that's a real relatable just to like the struggle um, or just and I think that also an ironic, you know, have those kinds of experiences. So I'm also kind of curious if something about the album, I guess, maybe just felt really relatable and the fact that it tapped into like the coexistence of positive and negative at once and and just being a, a human being was kind of neat. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this next question, but do you think the album has stood the test of time? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, there's a lot of albums that are like super successful that don't hold up and listening back to the album, like there is nothing that I think has, uh, you know, aged poorly. I think everything is, is awesome. Um, and I can't say that about some of our other stuff listening to it. And that's a good segue to this next question. Are there any other songs by Linus Morissette? I know I sent you that in the anthology that I used for this episode. Was there any other songs by her that um, that you particularly enjoy? I really like Uninvited. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned this, but, you know, so that was on the soundtrack of City of Angels, which was starring, I think, Nick Cage and Meg Ryan. You know, there that was the second biggest song on that movie. You know, the first biggest song on that movie was what was uh google dolls iris wow yeah and th and that's wild because i think like she sold seven million copies or something wild of that of that single um yeah. but yeah well i mean iris is just a yeah and i know yeah will that end up on your i don't is that 90s well they're they're that is 90s but i don't know if google dolls are 90s enough but you know tbd tbd on that um Stay tuned, and folks. uh What's that? Oh, I said, stay tuned, folks. Yeah. And listening to your, some of our other stuff, like, can you do you like, why don't you think any of your other work approximated the level of success of Jagged Little Pill? That's a great question. I haven't even fully listened to her other stuff, to be honest. Um, sometimes I've tried listening to a couple albums, but I don't find it striking me as much. Um, 
I'm a little nervous that what I'm going to say is going to be ignorant because I haven't given all of her music since then a full listen. Um, I think that there was like a vulnerability and a relatability to her, to Jagged Little Pill and the way that she wrote um, the lyrics, the way that the music coincided with her singing. Um, and when I hopped around, it felt like in some ways, one, the kind of the, the classic like rock band drum, you know, that she has a really unique style. And so sometimes I think for me, the mixing, and I'm not anyone to speak on this, it almost felt like her voice was the whole thing. And then the music was there too. And I don't know, it just, it felt, it just felt uh, different than maybe something where I'd listen to just singing in the car. Um, yeah. 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 And and I think probably that was also she was probably at her most relatable um, because obviously she did have, you know, success in Canada, um, both with her singing and she did some acting when she was a kid. But still, like, you know, pretty not really that well known, I guess. But like after that, you know, she's just a completely different person. That's probably her most relatable was what she communicated on that album. Maybe that's another reason. But I totally agree with you. And like I said, some of our other stuff is like pretty good. Um, but I just don't think anything. I, I just don't think anything was just as good. I mean, that that happens to some artists. I mean, there's tons of artists that their debut album is is just their best because they, they have their entire life working on that album, you know. And I know it's not technically her debut, but it's for all intents and purposes. Do you, did you know about her like that she like was a pop singer in Canada? No. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. You'll um you, you'll there's a you'll you when you um listen to the monologue, you'll enjoy the opener because I, I I had some context to that. But we are um. But I want to move on to the last because we don't have too much time. Can I say one more thing is just, and I hate to say anything ne negative, you know, not a fair word, but I was listening today to her album, I think from in uh, 2012, uh, the song Empathy. And something that I found myself, I mean, I've just listened to this today and I'm like, I want to think about it more is why does this song sound so cheesy? Um the concept is, um, oh yeah, Havoc and Bright Lights is, is the album uh, I just remembered. And it's really nice and about being in love and really being seen and heard and understood. And, and those, like, when you read the lyrics, I'm like, this is relatable, but something about it in the song just felt so cheesy that it almost made me cringe. Um, and I, and I feel guilty saying that because I love Alanis Morissette. Like I love Jagged Little Pill. Um, but I almost wonder if there was a vulnerability. I think even when you sing about positive things, there's still a vulnerability to it. And I think when something about that vulnerability is missing, then it could come off as cheesy. And so I don't know what wasn't vulnerable, but I don't know. There was something that maybe she, I mean, she was successful. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you definitely listened uh, much, much further uh, than I did. Um but uh, but anyways, because uh, I didn't I didn't get I really didn't get past like 2002 because I was just like, all right, I, I'm yeah. Um, that was also like her last, I think, like super like mega success. Well, not mega successful. album, like her last successful. So I think it was her last album that went platinum in the US was the one that came out in 2002. So, um, you know, the. The name of this episode, right? What is Alanis Morissette's signature song? And I've done, I don't know, four or five signature song episodes. Um, and I always ask my guests this question because 
you know, I need we need to establish this before we have the debate or discussion, if you will. But what what do you think is a signature song in general? Yeah. How'd I define it? Like, how how would you like if when you when I ask you, like, what is what is Alanis Morissette's signature song? Like, if I said to any artist, like, what are some of the factors that would help you determine what is a particular artist's signature song? Yeah. So I think that the definition of a signature song is not static. I think that a signature song depends on who you ask. So you have the signature song from a standpoint of maybe people who don't listen to Alanis Morissette. I think one definition of signature song is if you were to tell someone who maybe is not really familiar with an artist's music, like, oh, they sing this. And then they go, oh, yes, of course. I know that person. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I I love that explanation. I've never never heard that before. It's a really interesting explanation. Yeah, because I I was trying to think to myself how I think there's kind of like two definitions. And so it's almost the eye of the beholder, the listener is that example. And then the other is then people who know an artist well. And so I think in a way there's almost like two signature songs where one is like, I know that work. And the other is, well, this is actually a signature, a sign off. Like this is her print. You know, like this is that person's handwriting. This song, you know, embodies them. So it's it's like for the casual listener and for the actual fan of the artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I feel like some people, some signature songs that are like people would know. Then the people who actually know the artist would be like, "That's not actually it." You know, it's actually that like that. You know, like it could it, a signature song by the lay person could irritate the actual listeners like if they heard that that's what you're calling it the signature song right it's like it's like if you tell a hardcore nirvana fan that smells like teen spirit i mean i know those are first yes. episode that smells like teen spirit signature song or like a hardcore oasis fan that it's wonderwall you know um they they might they might have some choice words for you so yeah i i i hear that um but with that being said so did you choose one signature song or or two uh Two, I chose, I mean, it's probably ironic. Um, I want it to be You Ought to Know, but I think it's, if if they were the two definitions, I'd say ironic and then You Ought to Know. That's on my, my bias is just like, I want You Ought to Know to be the signature song, but the, the, the footprint of ironic, I think is too big, you know, it, from that definition. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny, you know, and, and I talk about this, talk about, this a little bit in the monologue but i feel like with a few Alanis morissette songs like you know really speaks that she really is a cultural phenomenon because two of her songs had people debating about you know ironic was the debate was you know is this actually ironic and you ought to know there was the debate and and the questioning like who is this man that that you know hurt elena so much you know <laughs> um but yeah that that's really interesting you know i i really str- i struggle and i talk about it. it took me two months to figure out what the signature song would be and i really i couldn't because her music is so diverse it's like i feel like certain artists you can kind of like pick out okay this is something that they do they do it a lot and then just kind of find the song where they do it the most um obviously still needs to be a popular song and um acclaimed um and that was you know, pretty easy to do with Radiohead and Nirvana and Oasis was a little challenging, but I think Alanis Morissette was just so d- difficult because even like on Jagged Little Pill, you have songs like You Ought to Know, which is a which is like grunge. Um, then you have Ironic, which is like you know soft rock, 
And then you have songs like Hand in My Pocket and Head Over Heat, which is like folk rock. You know, so it's like, what it, what even is her signature sound? Um, so that's why it was really it was it was really challenging for me. Um, but I would agree with you, but I, I would disagree with I would choose you ought to know over ironic for the you know the layman, for the casual listener. Um, yeah, I yeah, and I think that obviously ironic is more popular in terms of like if you look at its success in the US on the charts and like it has more streams on Spotify. But I think that um, if I told if I asked a casual fan, name me an, an Alanis Morissette song, I think that they would say you ought to know. I think that's more associated with her. And then ironic is just kind of like part of the zeitgeist, like it's its own entity, if you will. Mm, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but what I so from the lame the casual listener, but for you know the Alanis after like doing all the analysis and all like the nerdy you know, um, stuff, uh, I would say that uh, uh, Hannah My Pockets her signature song. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, as you were talking, I was thinking you know, hand in my pocket or head over feet. I think that they speak to her sound more. I don't know. I guess what's your reason I should say before I tell you my reason for your choice. Yeah. So hand in my pocket, the reason I chose, I mean, you know, obviously it had a lot of different components that I noticed in some of her other songs, some of her other songs. But um, what I really noticed is that I think that my argument in Jagged Little Pill is that Jagged Little Pill made Alanis Morissette like you know on like the top tier um of singer songwriters you know up there with bob dylan and joan baez Mm -hmm. and johnny mitchell and you know all those kinds of people and um so i think that that's kind of just stands out to me that's just the most singer songwriter-esque song on the album Mm -hmm. in my opinion and and the songwriting is just amazing there like it's the depth of it um is is really uh is very impressive and like i love that last line and like what it all comes down to is that no one's really got it got it all figured out just yet because i got one hand in my pocket and the other one's hailing a taxi cab yeah you know and i just think that's like the perfect way to end the song and and like you were saying earlier it that song just really um showcases uh really effectively the um the paradoxes uh, of young adulthood. Yep. You know, it's like you are, you are the best you'll ever be and you're making money, but it's also like the most complicated time. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I I just thought the way that she communicates that through all those like really funny um, contradictions is just super interesting and is just speaks to her talent as a songwriter. Um, so yeah, that's my, not, not that I put any thought into that, but you know, <laughs> just off the cuff. Yeah. Just you know, off the cuff. But so yeah, that, that's my reasoning. What about what, uh, what are your thoughts on, on that song? No, I, I agree. I think it's a great song and I think it's really relatable, like extremely relatable. And so I think it makes sense, um, to be her signature song. I think the music also connects to other songs that she's written there and other albums so it, it also just like i think it encapsulates her um and definitely is that relatable experience yeah definitely what do you think about you learn yeah i know we talked a little bit about it but 
because because I would say like for me of all of like her sing because I think she released like six singles from that album. They're five or six. And like for me, that was always the one I, I, I like the least. I don't know. Yeah, I think that there's certain ones where you're like, OK, is this mildly cheesy? Um, I think it's a good song. Like it's something where if someone to, if you were to talk about the concept of this song, it's neat. And even, you know, I just pulled up the lyrics, looking at them. It's like, OK, you live, you learn, you cr-. like it's it's mm-hmm. it's a nice message of what we get from the pain, which is probably she was probably learning a lot at this point in her life. And I think in young adulthood, a lot of us are learning and learning never stops as we get older. Life is hard um, and we grow from it. Um, and I think it's the, but the vulnerability is not totally there where it's kind of like, that's like the bandaid or the positive message. And I didn't, I feel more of the learn than the, like the cry, lose, bleed, scream, even though it, the song is called you learn. Right. But I think, Mm-hmm. It leans a little too much into the positive where I, I need to feel the vulnerability more to feel more connected listening to it. But I do I do like the song, to be clear. But I think that's why I don't like it as much as, you know, you ought to know or head, even head over feet feels vulnerable. Yeah, definitely. And and I yeah. And that's what I love about Alanis Morris, that she's not afraid to get vulnerable. Um, but I feel like the vulnerability connects in a way with, you know, a, a, a kind of positive message that to me is just like super endearing and heartwarming. I mean, I think that I and I and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. That lack of vulnerability kind of makes it seem a little bit disingenuous, mm-hmm. um, which is really, you know, that's something I identify with Alanis because I identify her as like a super genuine artist. Um, yep. So I I, uh, I totally hear you on that point. Um, the last question that I want to ask um and I was thinking about this too, and I don't know if I have a particular answer, but have you noticed her influence on other artists? I think about uh, Paramore. Interesting. Um, possibly, possibly, and honestly, I I am I'm not good at connecting the dots between. Like I'm not the person to answer this question, but I think about Paramore. I think about Flyleaf. Yeah, just kind of um, like those, like the and kind of the raspy anger. What was you say? So like 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 rock bands fronted by a woman that kind of has that like is not afraid to get to like to show her raw emotions yeah yes um which i i love that yeah Um, it's so funny because i kind of went the complete opposite way to me hmm. like i it reminded me of like you know jewel and vanessa carlton and cheryl crow yes you know just those very like i think it's also just because they you know they all play they're all like our singer songwriters, but they kind of have like, because obviously Alanis Morissette did have the grungy songs, but a lot of her songs are like more like gravitate more towards pop. So that's kind of maybe and like also, you know, songs like Can in My Pocket mm-hmm. and You Learn like that have more of like a pop tradition, kind of like that kind of late 90s, early 2000s, like female singer songwriter um, ethos, if you will. Kind of reminded me of that a little bit, especially like more not on Jagged Little Pills much, but like on her like next couple albums. Yeah, I agree. They're they're more polished. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe because like Vanessa Carlton I, I think that maybe at the time there weren't as many like the the part of her of Jack Little Pill that felt unpolished even like with the the music and her vocals like feeling more raw in certain situations. I think maybe that's what distinguishes her from more pleasant sounding right artists and so i think that's what stands out to me although the weird thing is then also i think about billy eilish 
a little bit with just the, that voice that like pretty raspy, like the opening to ironic, like that element. Um, so I, yeah, we just wanted, it's like we, but we captured different parts of what makes Lannis Morrissey, Lannis Morrissey is that she, she really carries embodies both of those pieces. Oh yeah. And, and it really, I mean, she, and I think like, you know, just going kind of going back to the singer songwriter, I think that that's like emblematic of a singer songwriter. Like they're supposed to be representatives of the human experience. And like, you're never just going to be only angry. You're never just going to be only, you know, feeling pot, like reflecting on positive things or whatever. So like, she just really embodies the spirit of the singer songwriter. So I think that's kind yeah. of in our discussion, we've I think we've really honed in on that. If Yeah. I also would like to, to think um, Taylor Swift course oh yeah yeah i mean singer songwriter yeah um, i mean they're both really talented i mean they're synonymous they're both synonymous with the term so mm -hmm. the greats yes did you see that uh taylor swift was named times person of the year yeah, i told you <laughs> i told you that no. oh that's right you said that earlier <laughs> sorry <laughs> um, long it's been a long day yeah, I, i've been all excited to tell to talk to you about that all day obviously we could talk about that yeah. uh, outside of your podcast well, you know, yeah but, uh, yeah I'll, I'll 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 text you my uh my response to that but um mm -hmm. listen like like i said she's she's at beetle status right now um so that's uh so that that's all i that's that's all the questions i have for you rachel sister thank you so much um and uh, hopefully this was a lot of fun. Hopefully you will come back on the uh, podcast and we can maybe um, I know you did you did a f fantastic job, but maybe we can talk about an artist that you might have, you know, been into for many years. So, yeah, when you hit the 2000s, I know that's outside this podcast, but maybe we got some 90s bands. Yo, we'll do We'll get you on for Backstreet Boys versus NSYNC. Oh, I'm ready to go. All right. Ready to All go right. For thank that. All right. Thanks. Rachel. It'd be me versus Michael. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> all right. Have a good one. You too. Thanks, y'all, so much for listening. I want to give a special thanks to my sister, Dr. Rachel Brenner, for being a fabulous guest. Y'all have a great rest of your day, and whatever it brings, hopefully music is involved. I'm Dove Brenner, and this is Hot Cakes from a 90 Stand. Take care. <laughs>